This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. Now listening to Sweep the Rack podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? <laughs> Yo, I knew you'd be giddy when the show opened up tonight. If you're listening to this in audio, we open the show and Rob comes out with just ear to ear smile on his face. Dude, I fucking love 2022 Professional Bowling Association season. This is by far the best season of bowling ever. And it really has nothing to do with what's going on in the lanes. There's so much shit going outside the lanes. I feel like we're in a reality show, Mike, and it is my heaven. This is the greatest PBA year so far in the history of the Professional Bowling Association. But Mike... Before we get into, I'm going to let people come in. You know, we, we normally start on time here at Sweep the Rack. We don't like to keep our viewers listening, but we like to keep, you know, they funnel in as the minutes go on here. Um, we had some bowling this weekend real quick, right? So we're going to go through a little bit of a league review, your league review. I had some bowling this weekend, Mike. We'll talk a little bit about that. So I'll, let's hear about your league review. I hear you both pretty good. Uh, so let's hear it first. Six thirty, six thirty last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't bowl great. I bowled really good the first game. I shot, I think, like two forty-eight the first game, and then uh, one ninety-two, one ninety the next two. So not terrible. I think I missed a few makeables that that I probably uh, could have could have done a better job at. But in general, wasn't a bad night. I'll take it. Uh, we won five four. Uh, won the first game in totals. And yeah, you know, I'll I'll take it as a uh, as a decent night. Uh, a couple things from league report though. So shout to Team Slipknot. I put this out on Twitter. Uh, it's Pete Perez, George Critella, and Lou Gaudio. And hold on, I want to get I want to get this number right. So I'm going to bring it up on Twitter real quick. Uh, let's see. Last night in league on the sport pattern on the short. Okay, they went uh, Pete Perez, 279, George Cretella, 268, Lou Gaudio, 258 for 805. Okay, 805. They uh, bowling the house shot. They're walled up. No, well, well, to, to the contrary, because let me comment. Here's the series on those numbers. Okay, 659. So he was minus 20 after two. 683. So it was plus about 10 after two and 688 was plus 30 after two. Oh, they broke down to just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great, yeah. Know. They broke down. Yeah. Like well, yeah. Great. Okay. I guess uh, I'd also like to give an update on uh, Mr. X, Mr. X. Uh, it seems I don't, you know, I don't have the inside <laughs> info here, but it seems that Mr. X's um, uh, teammate, one of his teammates has quit. It seems like one of his teammates has quit. I don't know. I'll I'll find. I'll try and get the inside info on that. Last night there was a pair breakdown, and Mister X 
had to move to the breakdown pair, which happened to be next to my pair. And they ended up bowling right next to us. So, you know, obviously I was kind of watching the bowling. Uh, Mr. X, rough night, uh, lost nine, uh, and shot uh, almost sub 400. Sub 400. Okay. So, I mean, that's, you know. Uh, You've been there. No, 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 no. I've been sub five. I've been sub five, but just sub five. You know, sub four is a different category. Is it not? Come on. For three games, sub 400? I could kick the ball down the lane and shoot 400. I don't know, you know. So, yeah, I agree with Robert Hamilton in the chat. It's looking like uh, it might be a second early exit. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. Be, sounds like instead of Mr. X, you should call him Mr. Open. Um, uh, I, you know, they were rough. They were rough. Mr. X has a, a player on his team who basically uses, like, mainly, uh, I would say, lower-end equipment, very polished, you know, pearl, lower-end bowling balls, and they just, like, make the lanes an absolute mess. So, yeah, it gets kind of tough when you when when they get sloppy on this stuff. Our pair was a little sloppy last night, too, because there was a lot of your thing going down the lane, but... Uh, it helped me because I was able to find some hole. But all right, nonetheless, uh, I also bowled a tournament over the weekend, Rob. I bowled the Monmouth County Masters on Kegel Titanium. Uh, there was probably like 120 entries, I think. Uh, a name that we both know won the event, Rusty Thompson. Shout, shout to him. Took down took down the Monmouth County Masters. 120 bowlers, mostly Mostly league bowlers that aren't experienced on uh, on sports stuff, but we were bowling on forty four foot titanium from Kegel and Rob. I honestly, I haven't been this baffled leaving a bowling center in quite some time. It was a forty four foot pattern, but sanded early balls looked terrible, and the best ball that I had was a polished ball with the pin up, and I still couldn't get that to carry because that really didn't give me enough. I needed a little bit more than that, but something polished. And honestly, I was just really confused. For For three games, I hit the pocket and repeated shots pretty well, I thought. And I got very little out of it. I got one like 170, 190, 190. You know? And it was very frustrating, and I was very confused. But I, like I said, I always enjoy bowling on the tough because you do have those ha- – you do have those – shots that were those stretches of shots where you throw it excellently and have success and you're like all right you know see like i i I can do it you know i just need to uh work on repeating that but you also bowled a tournament rob that that i heard i heard was on sport but i'm wondering like what goes on in arizona because i saw a thing today from big bowling that happened to come across my feed and they they were promoting this guy who averaged 250 at a tournament in Arizona over the weekend for seven games of qualifying. And I'm like, wait a second, tournament in Arizona over the weekend. That might be the tournament Rob went to. It was. Damn it, if it ain't the tournament Rob went to. Guys, somebody averaged 250 for seven games at the tournament that Rob went to. You guys know what I'm going to say about that. Clearly not up to the standard that I, I would personally promote. And, uh, certainly not up to the Greg Tax standard, which we kind of, you know, we kind of like around here. So, but but go ahead, Rob. Let's hear about your experience. I'm sorry to hate. I'm sorry to hate. Honestly, like I, I don't make the shots. I just show up and bowl. The shot was 42 foot. It was a kegel. I think it was Autobahn. 
Um, but that house is notoriously for having friction to the right. So I'm not there. The pattern was out. Trust me. Like it was out. Um, but the ball in center friction, you could tell if you missed right, the ball was hooking. And if you had the right ball in your hand and you missed left, there was push. Now, as for being house, I mean, look, sometimes a tough shot or a pattern ends up looking or can be just as easy as a house shot. If, if the right factors happen in the bowling center and you have good enough bowlers. Okay. So real quick, my pair, okay. My cross six on a pair, me, Wesley Lowe, Michael Haugen, Robbie Patterson, Matt Jones, Brianna Cote. Okay. That was the six on my pair. All right. Now, if anybody knows, obviously we all know Mike Haugen and Wesley Lowe, Brianna Cote, right? One of the top P PWBA bowlers. But anybody knows Robbie Patterson and Matt Jones, they're no slouches either. Those are great amateurs in their own rights. Um, so me personally, uh, just first game was getting my feet under me, trying to just relax a little bit. Uh, ended up switching to a code black game three. Had a really great look. And then my last game, I was actually the number, the cashing number. I was ninth going into the last game. And we crossed the house and I went on one and two. And I just couldn't figure him out until like the third or fourth, fifth frame. And then I started, you know, you know what happens when you slow, get off to a slow start. You start wrapping tens. You know, three of those seven games, Mike, I was on a double going into 10 frame and I stoned the 10. So if you could figure how many pins I left out. Uh, ended up plus 172 for seven, averaged about 224, finished about 15th. So the scores were really high. Um, you know, and that's really a tournament review, Mike. I mean, I, I got a new grip. Remember I talked about it? I practiced Saturday. The grip felt great. Uh, you know, I just have to get my balance a little bit better, get some timing. Uh, I didn't, I missed, I chopped one spare in seven games. Didn't miss one single pin. Spare shooting felt good. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm gonna bowl March to Phoenix City tournament. Actually, bowling with Mike Hagen is my doubles partner. I just found out. Um, and then uh, Sunday is gonna be another sport shop tournament somewhere. So, yeah, it was nice to be back. Felt good throwing the ball. It was probably, to be honest with you, I was probably happy to start my comeback on a little bit of an easier shot. Um, I don't think I was ready to bowl on a Greg Tack type sport shot yet. Uh, I like the fact that there was room to miss for me left and a room to miss for me right. Um, you know, it just can, you know, start building some confidence. And then, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get into some of the nitty gritty when, 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 that, when that gets put out, but I'll be more prepared for it. So, yeah, that was my, that's my tournament review. No doubt. All right, Rob, uh, you were giddy when we started the show. I'm still giddy. I'm ready to talk about it. I was going through my tournament review really quick. Because there's there's drama in the bowling community, and the drama oh, yet again is over oh. uh, the urethane equipment, and mm -hmm. specifically, you know, perhaps perhaps the most infamous ball in history, uh, the urethane purple hammer. All right, so we're going to talk about this subject in three different uh, approaches here. Okay going to be a little bit different from how we do things around here normally uh because we want to we want to make sure that we separate uh the ideas where separation is needed would you agree, agree with that phrasing rob yeah because i don't want people to feel like our speculation is facts 
and our facts yeah, and, and get, speculation and get the 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 facts confused from from other things. So we're going to lay out some facts. We're going to dis- discuss some facts that Rob and I uh, researched in some instances. Uh, some that were discussed with us outside of the show. Information that came across our radar. Uh, we're going to discuss rumors. Because there's a lot of rumors out there in this situation, Rob. Speculation, Mike. Okay. Uh, we're going to discuss another category of semantics in this issue. Okay. Because whether you're aware or not, there's a lot of small details in this issue that definitely contribute to the overall picture, uh, I think. And then finally, uh, we're going to talk about solutions. Right. And and what should be done? What do we think should be done in this situation? Okay, with with all this controversy about the urethane balls. All right. So, Rob, let's obviously let's start with the facts. Do you do you want to lay out? Yeah, I'll shoot a fact. I'll lay out some facts. So three balls failed the pre-harness checks prior to the TV show. Right. That's to me the main fact. Right. Um, Another fact. It's the first time this season that durometers were used and counted as they have been running, the PBA has been running into durometer issues all season. So first time they've actually used the durometers. Um, I'd say one of the other main facts here is, I mean, we could, let's just start there, Mike, right? Three balls fail. Okay. Find out they, that they yeah, banned three balls. It's, it's also a fact that, those same balls were used all throughout the week in competition. Correct. They weren't. They were not checked during in competition during the week. They nope. were checked before the show. Correct. Okay. Um, I think that a problem lies in that in and of itself, right? But yeah. let's be clear. You know, and this is opinion. This is opinion that the 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 responsibility for that. And maybe this is fact, actually. Maybe it's not opinion. The responsibility for that falls to the PBA and the PBA only. It, it, am I am I safe in saying that that's fact, Rob? That, no. That, that the P, that the organization isn't the the sole body responsible in that instance. They're running the event to check the balls for the legality before the event starts, rather than before the final portion of the event. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the easy, that's the main solution here to this. Okay. Right? You really want to talk solutions so, already? So, so, yeah, that's no, the no. main solution. They, they, they just, well, we'll talk solutions overall, right? But that's that's how they decided to do it. That's how the PBA decided to do it for whatever reason. Yeah. To, I think it's an opinion. I think it's a terrible decision. Terrible. You know, I think you would agree. I think most bowlers would agree, right? If you're going to test equipment at any point, it only Testify. makes sense to test in the beginning of uh, of the event, right? Okay. So, uh, good on that, Rob. Good on that yeah. portion of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw out a fact, all right? Hit me with it. All urethane balls, all urethane balls from all companies have shown evidence of getting softer over time with use. Correct. That was in the USPC. That was in the, that was in the the research report they did. This is this is from the USBC report. It is okay. This is a fact. All right. Uh, I think that that's a very important fact because the focus seems to be on the purple hammer, 
And while I understand why, because it, it's it's a great ball and a very useful ball, obviously. Okay. But all of the urethane balls from all companies get softer over time. Now, I'm not going to jump to solutions, but I point out that fact because when, when we talk solutions at the end of this conversation, I'm definitely going to come back to that as, as part of why I'm going to give the solution that I'm going to give. So to me, the, the, the question that comes out of that idea is why such the focus on the purple hammer, right? Because of some of the speculation. That's why. All right. Some of the hearsay. To, let's stick to fact right now. Let's stick but to that's, fact. Right but, now. This, but, the, but the hearsay relates to the fact, Mike. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. So the, if anybody read Mitch Beasley's Facebook comment, I feel like I should probably read that, Mike. Should I bring it up? Should I read it? Yeah. Okay. So Mitch Beasley wrote, the difference in the purple urethane is that the average hardness of them is 72 to 73 from the factory. That's why they outhook the black urethane, which is average 77 to 78 hardness. That means several will be under the limit due to the fact that not every ball is the same hardness after manufacturing. Okay. So that's a fact. I'll, I'll, I could go with that. Several of the first batches. Now, here's, here's the key to all this. Okay. This is where the Several, rumor comes in, right? Right. Several of the first batches weren't tested at the factory at all due to a bad employee. And lots went out with six to seven serial numbers that were in the mid-60s for hardness. Okay? That is a huge accusation, okay? Just that sentence alone, okay? Essentially, what he's saying is that there was a batch of bowling balls that were made illegal that went out, and they went out due to a bad employee from EBI Kentucky. Can we? Can we? Is that fair? Fair to say that's what he's I, saying I think here. That that's an accurate summary. Okay. USBC should have been testing them in the field sooner when they discovered this, but didn't take action. Several of the players found out about it and went actively searching for the six to seven serial numbers to get the softer ones as they hook more and it hit much better. Speculation, okay? Because if you can't name players and you don't have any evidence that these players went actively searching for these bowling balls, then it's hearsay, okay? At this point, you need an evidence to show that these players went out actively searching, you know, which he'll never be able to prove unless he could show some pro, you know, Googling or, or Facebooking saying, hey, does anybody have a specific serial number? He, he, no way you're going to prove that. It'll, pros will just deny that. I would bet, oh, well, for the Sixers and the softer ones as they hook up, I would bet that a few players have several that they are know that are soft and use them regularly when they know they won't be checked. Speculation. Because now he's saying that the pros, some pros know that they're using an illegal ball and they're still using it because they know that they won't get tested. And probably if they do get tested, the last thing that will happen to them is they will be held accountable for that bowling ball. They'll probably just have the ball confiscated, which is exactly what happened at the TOC show, right? Three of the bowling balls were deemed illegal and were confiscated from 
you know, then the pros don't get to keep the balls. Once they're illegal, those balls get confiscated. But there's no accountability on those pros end that were using those illegal balls. So they just go ahead and they're merry in their merry way and they make the show using essentially illegal balls all throughout qualifying and match play. And nothing gets gets they, they don't get held accountable for it. Uh my my question I have a couple questions here because you know we're we're in that we're in that you know unconfirmed ideas uh section here, right? So my question Leon, is, you're right. You're, who how, knows, right? How how would Kentucky or Ebonite, how would they know that the balls are you know testing soft and then still send the balls out? Uh you know, in terms of, you know, the balls being soft, you know, when you mentioned the bad employee, like I need, I need more, more information there. Like, was it an honest mistake where these balls were, were marked, uh, don't send out and they sent them out. And when you say that players went searching for them, right. Do you literally mean that players were calling pro shops or bowlers who had purchased balls and saying, Hey, can I get that ball? And then plugging it and using it because it's a softball, and they're knowingly using a softball. Here's another question: because well, again, we're, is- we're we're in that we're in that rumor or speculation area, right? And it creates a lot of questions. So another question to me is, uh, what standard is there for the players to to know this information about the ball that's in their bag and self enforce? these rules like you're kind of suggesting here, Rob, you know, because that's, I'm not saying I'm not, look, here's the thing is I'm not, I, I, at first I thought, well, when I'm, when I'm hearing about all this issue and I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, maybe the players should be able to try to figure out if there's stuff that they're throwing is illegal before they like, you know, bowl and qualify, but it is hard. Pros aren't going to be carrying a derometer with them and, you know, and 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 really having a, an ability to test these bowling balls in a fair playing field. The USBC can't even do it, okay? There's so much challenges, and there's so much outside factors that go in when you test the, the softness and hardness of these bowling balls. At this point, here's what I'm trying to say is it's it, it's not fair to the pro, right? If the, If the ball gets tested illegal – and you're the pro that has that bowling ball, it's completely not fair to you, but you should be held accountable regardless. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. It is just, ridiculous. Just listen but to you know what you what? said there. Like, but you, you know. look like you, you you technically, Mike, let me say something. You technically well, you're used a do, ball, an illegal ball, all qualifying. Yeah, but what you're going to do, what you're going to do in that situation is that you're either going to, you know, penalize players for for not being aware of something that I don't really think that we would generally expect them to be aware of. And secondly, and and you may do that in an instance where the ball started uh, a competition as legal and then ends a competition as illegal, or goes through a few different competitions and becomes illegal. So one, hold on. So one time the player thought the ball was okay. And now a few events later, it gets tested for a, another purpose or another test, and it's illegal. And you're saying that action needs to be taken against that player. That that's that's ridiculous. 
I mean, it's now, it's, look, I'm it, not saying what, it's fair. What that what that would lead to, I think, would be the players not using this equipment not to run that risk if they really cared about it, not to right. run that risk and not use this equipment until the manufacturers got it worked out to where that risk wouldn't be there for them. Okay. And again, we'll get to the solutions in a bit. Um, there's a lot of semantics here, Rob. Okay. It is, but here's there's the thing: is lot, like, there's a lot of semantics. Mike, here. the point I'm trying to make is the fact that, like, if this was any other sport, any other sport, it doesn't matter what sport it was, any other sport out there, if 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 you get caught using an illegal anything, regardless if it was your fault or not your fault, the player usually gets penalized some way or somehow. Okay, that's my point here. Is Golf, right? If the player signs is wrong, if they if they have a, a mistake on their scorecard, they get fined or penalized. Um, if a player is taking some kind of PEDs and they didn't realize they were taking it from some some over the counter, yeah, like, but hold uh, on, protein. Hold on. These examples you're talking about are very cut and dry. They're very black and white. And this this example is not. This example it's not is not. Dry. I agree with that. It's okay, not. There's it's so not, much. So, so like. You could have a purple hammer that starts legal, progresses to be illegal. You could have a pitch black that starts legal and progresses downward, maybe to a point that it's illegal, maybe not. Maybe a purple hammer progresses downward to a point that it's illegal, maybe not. Let me also talk about some of the semantics involved in this test because Rob, we're you know we're we're not high level professional bowlers out here, right? So. So we got to take the information that we have and we want to make sure that other people hear this information because we find it interesting in terms of how it relates to this, this uh, controversy. There's a lot of semantics involved in this test, Rob. Okay. The temperature of the bowling ball matters for this test. Okay. I had friend of the show, Charlie Tapp, had a conversation with him today. Charlie, appreciate the conversation. Rob, he told me that back in the day when he was on tour, if a urethane ball or, or any other ball was tested and it was below softness, they would take it and they would put it in a in a in a cooler. Okay. Two hours later, they would bring it out and test it again. If it tested hard enough, it was good. If it was below, it wasn't good. I mean, is that really what we're talking about here? We're talking yeah. about uh, a, so, so this could be a process where if you put the ball in a cooler for two hours, it changes the results of the test. I got to be honest with you, folks. That seems a little silly to me if that's true. Okay, let me let me talk about another piece of semantics here, Rob. The durometers themselves have an error, a, a margin of error between because Rob, if I read the report right, the way this test is done is numerous readings are taken on the ball. And then they take an average of those readings, okay? But numerous durometers are used as well, okay? The durometer to durometer margin of error is 0.8 to 1.8. So am I reading that correctly, that a ball could test one point below legal, and depending on the durometer, that might mean that it's it is legal as opposed to illegal if you tested it with this other durometer over here. Yeah. Okay. That's what the USBC report said. That's what the USB report said to me too. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah. I gotta be honest. If that's the case, this seems pretty silly to me. This seems pretty silly to me. Okay. 
let me talk about another piece of semantics here. I heard from a very, very reputable source who I don't want to name that cleaning the bowling ball, cleaning the bowling ball can actually affect the results of these durometer readings. So if you take a ball right out of competition and just wipe off the oil and test it, it might test soft. But if you take it and you clean it with acetone and, and maybe put it on a spinner with an Aberlon pad, it will, it will test legal. Is, is that true? Because if it is, this seems rather silly to me. You know, uh, let me point out another issue of semantics here. And Rob, I want you to respond to all these when I'm done. Again, some of these balls that were tested were within one point of each other, right? I believe I saw that correctly on the USBC report, that there were balls that tested either near or just under the hardness level allowed, and then there were other balls that tested under those, but there was really just a point difference between those balls, right? Well, Rob, what's the difference between one point and another? I don't, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know if anybody knows. So, so like, Rob, these semantics oh. to me, and I'm going to tell you why I take so much time to discuss this, it's because they matter in this situation. Most of the time it's something you can disregard. But the semantics here and, and, and the little issues with this test and the durometers and all these different things, I don't know, man. It just makes this issue a little bit silly to me. Go ahead, Rob. Okay, first off, inches matter in this sport. So all that matters. All the semantics of these testing, these tests, they matter. Okay, because you don't know, you can't quantify if the ball is actually going to be better, if it's like whatever point one softer. Okay, that's hard to quantify. You don't know that. But there has to be, you know, a, a level playing field, right? So here's my, here's my thing is urethane okay this is where we're at right now and i like to try to look at this at a high level someone who doesn't understand a lot of what i'm reading here in the usbc report okay you have a ball or balls urethanes and i'm not using i'm not saying the purple hammer i'm saying all urethane balls you have a, 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 a equipment right now that is changing once it's manufactured mike so right once the ball is manufactured, they test it. It's passing USB-C certification because it tests legal. As you use it, these balls are getting softer. That's a fact, okay? Nobody could argue that. And it, according to all these variations and all the stuff you're talking about with all the, the, the inconsistencies, okay, all the inconsistencies of these tests, the control, the gauges, the operators, Mike, you don't know. They're, the USBC was taking these balls into some secret double probation room where nobody was being able to watch them test on a lot of these tests, right? And this was, you know, per like Jeff Riggles and his 11 frame, okay? So you don't know who's even doing the testing, who's watching the testing. You don't know any of that, okay? There's so much inconsistencies with the, the, the testing and the reporting. There's, there's, there's two things, Mike. That you should you 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 need to do. You want to talk solutions here? They really need to pull the urethane. They need they need to pull the urethane off. USBC literally needs to come. I'm, I'm telling you, 
They need to either pull the urethane off and just say, let's get this right before we come back and maybe put it back on the like the PBA certified list. Let's figure well, out what the, the hell's going is, on. The, the USBC and PBA can have different rules, and that's a they can, and they have different, they had different time. harnesses at one time. Yeah, yeah, they so, did. They had different know, harness levels at one time. I know. So, so, so like that's a different conversation for a different, different time. But, um, here's my first. Uh, here's, my, here's, here's my main point. Okay, I want to talk about Sean Rash. Okay, because that got brought up in my comments. Sean Rash got so much shit from everybody about this whole problem and he was blasting everybody saying these balls aren't they're, they're getting tested illegal they're getting tested illegal someone needs to do something about it the kids pretty much scream they're pretty much and the only way for him to get heard was to pretty much yell about it right before his opponent was about to get up in a 10 frame okay and got a lot of shit for it if i was sean rash i would rent one of those helicopters or jets and I would fly it above the World Series of Bowling next year with a big fuck you, I told you so, in the sky. Yeah, but what what, <laughs> what is the complaint about? Why? What is the difference when it comes down to it and you look at that USBC report, okay? Uh-huh. What is the difference between a purple hammer that can get softer over time? Hold on, hear me out. And any other urethane ball from another company that can get softer over time. What's the difference? There is no difference. But the difference is the fact where there are reports, hearsay, coming out of EBI Kentucky in 2016 and 2017 that the players knew that that ball was illegal and they were trying to get their hands on it and, and, they are still, and they're still using it till this day. That's where the complaint is from Sean Rash. Now, I don't want to put words in his mouth because that's – this is something that he hasn't told me. But, Mike, if you're bowling against a 2016 or 2017 yeah, we're talking, Kentucky We're talking Bowl, conspiracy here, though. Oh, 100%. We're talking I love conspiracy. conspiracy. Okay. But so, it's coming so, from a reputable and, source. And if something, if something escalates to that level, then, yeah, this would be a completely different conversation. But to me, until it escalates to that level and there's proof to that level, okay, I do not see the difference between one urethane ball and another when they both get soft over time to the point where they can both test illegal. I mean, to me, that this is what it boils down to. Then the purple hammer is just a better ball than all the other urethane balls. You know, I saw Lou in the comment mentioning the weight blocks. Maybe it is the weight block. I, I, I thought that the purple hammer particularly had a pretty simple weight block in it. I thought I know some of the uh, widow urethane balls. Have, have complicated weight blocks in them. Here's another point that I, I haven't mentioned yet, but I'll, I'll throw this out there since I've been bowling lately. Has anybody seen a UC3 go down the lane? I mean, that's urethane, and that seems to hook more than any urethane ball that I've ever seen. I've seen people hook in the lane with that ball. Uh, I, I've had people tell me, oh, that ball hooks too much to use it on that pattern. So, so what about that example? And why is there not – hold on. If that's what we're talking about, softness and hook, et cetera, why is there not so much discussion about that? Why again is the focus on the on the purple hammer? I, I, I don't understand. I, I mean, that's what could... I don't get. What show me something in that USBC report that says all the focus should be on the purple hammer, and I'll put all the focus on the purple hammer. But to be honest with you, if we're gonna go down that road of oh, these balls are 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 illegal and shouldn't be used, 
then guess what it's going to mean? It's going to mean all urethane balls. That's what it's going to mean, okay? Because to me, after you read that report, and I sent that report out on Twitter, okay? I sent that report out on Twitter. If you read the report, there, you know, and you want to get rid of this problem, the only solution is to get rid of all of the urethane because it's it's proven, it is factually proven that it can all get softer over time. I'm not saying to get rid of them. I'm just saying they might need to temporarily pull it off the shelf until they could figure out how to test these things accurately. Now, the PBA has to read, you know, we'll talk solutions, right? Because the PBA obviously has to make some changes. Okay. I, I, I it is a black up, eye. Wanna, yeah. All right. Let's get to solutions next. I want to put up this comment by Victor, though, in the chat. He says, if two balls test under and they're each from a different manufacturer, get them both off. It's not about one being better than the other. It's about it being an illegal advantage of being soft. But, Victor, hold on a minute. Hold that thought for a minute. In this whole controversy conversation that has been going on for, for years, I feel like, here with this with this particular ball, what's the conversation about? It's about the Purple Hammer. It's not about any other urethane ball. Okay? It's about the Purple Hammer. And the fact of the matter is, is that what you're saying is true, but the conversation that's been going on in the bowling community doesn't reflect that at all. It doesn't reflect that at all. Okay? It's a sole focus on this ball, the purple hammer. And I feel, Rob, that the sole focus on this purple hammer is because some people have won with this ball that others in the bowling community don't think are deserving of winning. And I got to be honest, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit. Because where I was brought up in bowling, I was always taught that it's not the ball, it's the bowler. And again, again, if one urethane ball is equal to another in what science tells us about the balls, what the USBC testing told us about the balls, how can you then argue that there's a real difference between this ball and that ball? You know, again, unless we're going to get down to actual durometer readings, multiple durometer readings, then there's errors with the durometers. So, so there, the, again, the semantics matter here. But listen, I just don't see the difference between the two, okay? You want to reach out to me and explain it to me? Feel free to reach out to me and explain it to me. But I've read the USBC report in detail, okay? Rob, we got that report back before we did the interview with Chad Murphy, okay? So I read that report months and months and months ago, all right, when we did that interview. So I read that a while ago. I went back and read it this week. You know, in in preparation for our episode here when all this controversy broke out. And I got to be honest, like it would take a lot to convince me that what what I'm not, what I'm seeing is not what I'm seeing. Look, all I'm trying to say here is, look, urethane in general right now. And here's a a bigger point, right? And I, I, you know, look. You make well, valid why, points. Okay. Why isn't the conversation? You just said urethane in general. Let me ask you a question. It is, it is, why isn't yeah. the conversation? Sure. Okay. So answer me this. Why isn't the conversation in the Boeing community more about urethane in general and less about the Purple Hammer specifically? I'm telling you because there there are reports and rumors, and you know how rumors fly, that there is a there was a knowingly batch of a fake illegal, not fake illegal bowling balls that got released. And pros are still out there using that specific batch of purple hammers. And it's rumor. It's rumor. It is, but it's from a reliable source. Mike, this used to be a guy who tests balls for EBI. 
So, like, what is it just this, you know, did Mitch Beasley just make up shit? I know Mitch Beasley's about, I'm pretty sure he's going to do an interview with Riggles. I'm not sure if that no, got released. A, no, he is. He he is. It hasn't been released yet. And I, but listen, it's it's a long stretch between, you know, credible source and proven true. You know, that's what so. I said. I mean, look, it's all credibility. It's all at this point hearsay until you have evidence to back it up. You know what I mean? But from at least from what I'm saying is that um, the three balls that got tested illegal were all old purple hammers which is hearsay but from my resources and from what i've been reading those were all old kentucky purple hammers that got tested illegal on on that show before the toc yeah but that's not surprising because the usbc has shown that over time you use the balls they get softer you know and and these guys use the balls for like long stretches of time you know Without them being tested, and that, mm-hmm. and again, that's the fault of, the, of of the PBA first to me, and the USBC second. All right, Rob, let's talk solutions. Let's talk solutions here. Yeah, um, I really think that one. The first solution we talked about at the beginning of this is the PBA needs to obviously do testing prior to qualifying. Okay, now, now is like we talked about. Is that going to be? the full solution to the issue. I don't know because if the ball is getting illegal as you use it or getting more softer and softer, is that, is that, is that a main solution? I don't think it is. Okay. So do they ban? Well, I think, I think what, what, what you're suggesting there is, should it just be, if the ball tests legal at manufacturing, it's good and that's it. Is is that no. kind of what you're – no? Okay. No, I'm saying I'm prior to PBA events. Prior to PBA events. Okay. Um, should they ban urethane? Hold no. on. Oh, this – No. No, I think that if you want to implement testing before events, okay, I'm all right with that. Yeah. No. Um, I, I would suggest more research. I think is the solution here. You know, I'd oh, like Mike, to see more I got, research. I got, I got breaking news. I got breaking oh, news right now. Right now. Right now, a oh, PBA email got sent out. I got to read it. The Professional Bowling Association ruling on bowling ball hardness specifications. The PBA has come to the following conclusions after data was collected during the 2022 PBA National Tour season. It will not be feasible for the PBA to conduct field tests on bowling balls for hardness and other bowling other ball specification standards completely at every PBA national tour event due to the volume of equipment, event scheduling, and natural resources. This is perfect from what we're talking about, okay? Point. It is clear that specific models of bowling balls in the category of traditional urethane, while meeting the minimum hardness, Specs of 72D at manufacturing stage experience a reduction in hardness with use. Okay, we already know that, right? As a result of the general consistency in the data indicating a loss of hardness integrity in this category of equipment, beginning at the 2022 PBA World Series of Bowling Competition that starts March 7th, any traditional urethane bowling balls manufactured prior to 2020 will not be permitted in the PBA National Tour competition. 
I don't know. I you had me hyped Wait, there. I thought they were more. gonna say period. There's more. Right, go ahead. Go ahead. Traditional urethane bowling balls include Brunswick Hammer Deviate Radical Columbia, Brunswick Avalanche Urethane, BTU Solid, BTU Pearl, Brunswick Karma Urethane, Brunswick True Motion, U Motion, Deviate Tactic, Columbia Classic U2, Hammer Black Widow, Pink Pearl Urethane, Hammer Black Widow, Black Solid Urethane, Hammer Blue Solid Urethane. So any of the old, old hammers you can't use. Pitch Black you can't use, Mike. Storm Roto, Black Storm, well, Pitch Black. Well, that again, that what? It was manufactured before 2017. 2020. Oh, before 2020. Sorry. Pitch before Black was way before 2020. No, no. But hold on a minute. I think you're misreading that. They no. can still use a Pitch Black. No. Yes. It just has to be a Pitch Black that was manufactured in 2020 or later. They're still making okay. Pitch Blacks, Rob. They're, okay. they're, you know, Storm so, is still pumping out pitch blacks. Correct. What they're saying is Pro we, don't, we don't want correct. guys throwing balls that are more than two years old. Correct. That's your okay. right. So they could throw pitch black, but the serial number is going to have to be after 2020. Right. So they're going to be checking serial numbers. Right. Okay. Um, so other balls, I mean, there's a list of bowling balls here, but it's just pr pretty much any ball, manu any urethane manufactured prior to 2020. Right. Other bowling balls in this category exist and will be handled on a case-to-case -case basis. The PBA will maintain the right to spot check any bowling balls for compliance with any specifications at any time. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that's going on, Mike. John Stevenson in the cha chat, interesting comment, says, fair solution. I don't know. Is that a fair solution? I'm not sure. You know, it's breaking news, so it takes me a minute to to digest things and think. But uh, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, all you have to do is just drill fresh ones, no? And I and I don't think that the research is even out there on how quickly or with how many games these balls start to drop in 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 softness. No, so. This might solve nothing. No? I don't know. I mean, I mean, whatever. It's, you know, look, like, at this point, like, they, the PBA needs to do something. Yeah, you know, I, you know I mean? uh, Nico in the and chat says, yeah, it's fair for people because they can't use Kentucky Purple Hammers anymore. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You know, but, but Nico, I got to be honest. Like, I also heard, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that. I'll, you know, I'll just put out there. I know that some guys might be holding on to these particular balls because they've worked extremely well for them. But in general, do you ever really see a professional bowler throwing something that's that old? You know, almost never at this point. So I, I, I don't, I'd be surprised if there's like hundreds and hundreds of guys walking around with purple hammers in their bag that are pre, you know, that are, that are several years old. You know, we're talking like pre pre 2020 there but even further back because uh you know be, because of this the the, the uh sale and i mean look like in reality like does this really 
does this really like move the needle for like the PBA? Oh, they're like a lot of the guys are just going to drill up new urethane yeah, balls right. that have been throwing old like urethane stuff, right? Yeah, like, and, and, blacks pe- and people were mentioning the grenade. Right? People are mentioning yeah. the grenade from Simo. Yeah, understood. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's so. A- but I mean, look, like this is a step, and I think it's a it's a it's a, a PBA is aware of the, the the testing issue prior to 2020, right? So, um. Why not employ more? Because it's money, it's resources. Yeah, it's it was obviously in the and Jose Isaiah um, says, "Why not just get more people and and you know check the balls because they don't want to pay people." <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I yeah. kind of understand it, but yeah, you know, you would think that the uh, okay, so you know, the I'm absolute integrity of the competition would would come first. So I'm curious here, Mike, and I want to kind of finish this up because we still have some other stuff to talk about. Um, but one last point is, what would have been your solution to this? Because you don't want to ban urethane. You don't want to, um, you know, test prior to the PBA events, every event, right? Obviously, the PBA can't do it. How do you solve this? Because this is a tough situation. It is a tough Well, problem. I would then problem. say, all right, for one solution would be to test only the urethane, okay? They're saying that they can't logistically do this because of the number of balls. But what if you only test the urethane balls? Because that's really where the problem is. Oh, not to mention, though, that if you read the USBC report, Resin balls get softer over time, too. Okay. But so my question to you is, after we just read all of these inconsistencies on the testing, the durometers, the inconsistencies, the, the variations, the, the environment, the, the temperature, the humidity, yep. right? Those are all legitimate. Do, do testing the urethane balls prior to the events even matter at this point? Yeah, does, but does testing them before the show matter then? No. No, right? No. So, like, what's all the controversy about that? You know, that's what I was trying to say before. Like, I don't get it. You know, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it. Right. So well, here's the thing is the PBA so, opened up a can of worms by testing the bowling balls. Right. Because they're having people like me who feel like if a ball has been illegal and been using an illegal ball throughout qualifying and match play, regardless if the pro knew or didn't know, they should be held accountable in some way. I know I'm not talking, maybe I was a little bit over dramatic on Twitter talking about like, an expel or a lifetime ban or whatever. But like I'm saying that there should be some kind of like maybe fine or there's got to be some kind of like repercussion, even if the pro like didn't know that this ball was would test illegal. I think there is still my my point to it is there's still a risk throwing a purple hammer. There's still a risk throwing a pitch black that's older. You know that there's might be a pretty good chance that this is illegal, yet you're still throwing it. Okay, so you're really risking the fact that you could be throwing an illegal ball. So the pro, the pros know that, and they're still using it. That was my point: is that there should be some kind of accountability on the pros' end if they get caught with a legal ball using all qualifying and match play. That was it. Okay, all right. So, in terms of solutions here, other solutions to me. You know, I, I I don't I don't mind this this uh, change that they just put out. Make the players drill fresh balls. You know, that's it. Make them drill fresh balls. Put a limit on the number of events a urethane ball could be used in, and then stamp it and get it out of here. And they can't use it in a PBA event ever again. I don't know what that would be. Talk to the players committee. Look at the USBC research. Come up with a number. Maybe it's a couple events. Maybe it's more. I don't know. It seems like they're saying it's a couple years here, right? So um, Dude, I love this. I got to pull up Keith, Keith Poppity's comment here because this made me laugh. 
What is the competitive? Every time I see the purple hammer on TV, it looks bad. Do the guys really use urethane for a single portion of a turbo? Jacob is the only guy I remember rolling good scores on TV. Where is the data? That's funny because, I mean, he's kind of got a point. Like the team, the ball, the purple hammer. I would like to do the math on how many people actually won a tour event using a purple hammer, at least on TV. But I know, Keith, that yeah, it is prevalent Keith, during qualifying. I, I they was do use it point, a lot during qualifying. I was making the point earlier that honestly, this argument isn't about the data. It's about, it's about, you know, people are being unhappy that certain people won with this ball that they feel like they shouldn't. Right? Well, I mean, so, there's been times when like people have been using this ball for throughout the whole tournament. Um, and they maybe won't use it on TV. I think urethane's a little bit tougher to use on TV. I mean, you saw what happened with Belmonte when he, you know, was using a pitch black and he switched out of it. And like, it's just, he ended up losing. Using urethane on TV is a little bit more sensitive to me because of how quick the lanes change um, and the lights. And, and, and I kind of feel like urethane is a little bit more of a gamble on TV than it is during qualifying. Is that, is that, would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't mind that. Uh, okay. I like I like your brother's suggestion here, uh, Jeff, of having uh, durometers, you know, for the players and let them test the balls themselves, you know, and if, and if they find ball that comes up under, it's their job to report it, you know. If they don't report it and it's found out later, you know, and they didn't test whatever the reason is, they didn't test it, they tested it and didn't say anything. But there's a, comes, there's a serious penalty. I for know, that, but this comes know? back to the whole point where the USBC can't even get the testing right. And that's their job. This is their main function to make sure that every, the integrity in the playing field is level. And they're having a hard time coming up with consistent results. Dude, you're going to give me a, a PBA, you know, who I was on tour, you know, give me the durometer and let me test the bowling ball. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You think I could barely freaking open up my thumb hole, let alone like test my bowling ball for hardness and softness. So I, I don't know if I trust to give the players the power to do that and get legit results. Okay, because the USBC can't even get result like consistent results, and they have all the environments down to a science, right? It's it, this is a tough problem. Anyway, Mike, I think we spent enough time on our. All European. right, oh man, Ooh, I'm exhausted. exhausted. I don't think I'll have. Hey, till the next time a ball gets tested illegal, we'll have the same fucking conversation. Um, Mike, there was a TOC. By the way, there was a show that went out on Sunday. Um. So you ready to do our tournament review? All right. Hey, oh, by the way, real quick, I got to bring this up. I got to bring this up. You you had no response to when I talked about Rash. Do, do people owe Rash an apology? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Why? So, come on. Be- Why? Because, because, again, like, I, listen, It when Sean comes on this show, I'll ask Sean on this show. Sean, explain to me why I should be so outraged by the use of the purple hammer when it's been factually proven that other ball, other urethane balls, including the urethane balls that your company makes, also get softer over time. Okay. It's a fair point, but I, I, I still think everybody owes him an, an, an apology me See, Lou in the chat, again, I mean, I'm going to summarize that, but you're basically saying that the issue isn't the urethane, it's the effect of urethane and what people think of it. And I kind of agree with that. The issue here, to me, isn't really the legality of this ball or what it means. The issue is really that this ball's really good. Uh, a lot of people don't have access oh. to it. And, you know. I need to they, ask you a they, question. They, they want to see something done about it. 
because there there are legality issues, and I'm going to be clear here, because there are legality issues with that type of ball in general. Right? That's the key statement to me. There's legality issues with that type of ball in general. So listen, if if guys from from Storm want to get rid of uh, the, the Purple Hammer, there's an easy solution. Let's get rid of all urethane. Okay, sign on the dotted line to get rid of all your thing, and I and I feel like most players would agree to that. Rob Bill said that on Twitter today, and I thought what he said was great. Like, if you're a young bowler and you saw that tweet, you should learn from it. He was like, "Yo, I don't, I don't really play the lanes like that. I go and I see the pattern and I attack it in whatever way I think is best. And if you take your thing away, it doesn't matter. I'm still gonna out execute whoever I'm bowling with the balls that we have available to us." It's just Mike. another tool. So, but I'm, I'm a simple question, okay? Because I like we want to move on here, but we're gonna go to overtime tonight, and I want a simple, simple answer. Has urethane made the game the new resurgence of urethane? Okay, I don't. Has it made the game better or worse as a whole? Better, so much better. I mean, there's all this controversy. Oh, that in us. and of itself is better. <laughs> that in and of for itself no, is better. Well, for and us, for I us. But I'm it, talking well, competitively. You know, no, it's, I think it's also created the controversy has leaked down to the league level where you have like oh. league bowlers using urethane and other people getting pissed Dude, off. You bowled in a 42-foot pattern and there was urethane getting thrown. Robbie Patterson went 560 for the first two using the new pink urethane on a 42-foot pattern, okay? But, Mike, ultimately, and, though – listen. Am I am I out of line by saying that like this might be a worst of the week candidate live on, on the air here? Uh, Rick Wagner in the chat saying you're missing the rash point. He doesn't care about hardness. He cares about its effect on the patterns he's bowling on. Legal urethane balls get him just as mad. I, I, Rick, I don't know about that. I'd I have mean, to ask if, Rash. If you, I'd have if to you ask think Rash. That. Sean Rash and his position and doesn't contribute at all. Or, or factor into the legality issue of some of these balls, I would highly disagree with that, my man. I would so highly so disagree with that. Now, I'm asking you. What, what Rick Wagner is saying is that Rash is is yelling at the people on his team about their urethane balls the same way he's yelling at the other ones. You know, no, and he said three. I, I you know, so no, I disagree no. with that. Rick, so answer you're, my you're, question. You're though. on notice for worst of the week, bro. Stick around. Forget. You might win worst of the week. Forget podcast content because your thing's been gold for us, okay? Forget that. As a whole, for a competitive bowler in a competitive environment, and as a fan watching bowling, has your thing made the game worse or better? Better. Better. There's more more options for choice. There's more discussion about what a guy should have used. Should he have used your thing? Should he not? Darren Tang makes the TV show. Is he going to use your thing? Is he not? You know? Jacob Buttriff no. wins with urethane one week. Oh, he can't use it the next week. Does he have a chance? No. You know, no. no. You're, know, you're, you're, dude. As an entertainment factor, it's it's the worst. Okay, I don't want to watch a urethane getting thrown five different ways on Sunday. Um, Yo, I, I don't I, want. I, I hate that shit. I appreciate entertainment sucks. I appreciate the guys that throw urethane well because to be able to get to be able to get slow enough. And spank on it hard enough to get those balls to no, react the way no, they do on some of these no. patterns. It's just super impressive. It's just, it just, it just, it, it created a huge advantage for two handed bowling on top of it. Okay. Two handed bowling was already an advantage to a certain degree. Okay. But whenever I bowled against a two hander on a fresh short pattern, 
before the urethane, before the resurgence of urethane, I knew that I had an advantage bowling against them. I did know because as a one-handed lower rev rate player, I had an advantage. As soon as the resurgence of urethane came out, it gave the two-handers now a way to bowl on the fresh, on the short, and then transition out of urethane into a high-performance bowl and able to loft the heads and then circle the whole fucking lane. Okay? To me, it created a huge advantage for two-handed players in general. Okay? And on top of that, it's boring to watch. Dude, urethane has been nothing but a headache for the for the USBC, for the PBA. It's been nothing as a handcuff, okay, for players to just use urethane all the time and be able to, like, control their reverie, control their motions. Dude, urethane is 100 times worse for the game as a whole. For a content producer like us, it's been gold. True. All right, Rob, we got a tournament of champions to review. Shall we do it? Yes, let's do it. So right. TOC uh, if, if you're if you're new around here, we have a format that we use to review the tournaments. Uh, you can play along with us. We have various categories we discuss. Uh, perhaps you have your uh, perhaps you have your own answers that that you would like to share with us here. So feel free to play along. Oh wait, hold on, wait, wait. Time, you can listen and record them and play along next time. What's up, Lindsay? Lindsay, uh, quit hating on us two handed. You're a team bowlers, Rob. Maybe. Lindsay, are you a two-handed player? Because first off, I'm I'm also I want to see women get into the two-handed game. Okay. I think the first woman two-hander to dominate is going to be great to watch. Um, two-handed players are fun to watch, okay, when they're using a high performance bowling ball. Okay, not when they're using your thing. And I'm Lindsay, sorry, listen, boring. you know, uh, he's my co-host. We all know him, but I gotta say this, Lindsay. Rob is never boring to watch. Okay, bowling. Never bowl. You go to watch Rob bowl. Oh my goodness! You you most of the time you're you're gonna get a show for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, no yeah. God forbid I ever make a TV show, Mike. God All forbid right, that Rob, ever happens. The first category that we do for each tournament is. Well, we, we want to go to run the ladder. We run, let's the, run ladder. the ladder. Let's let's okay. run the ladder first here, Rob. The the opening match was nobody amazing. wanted to win. Nobody wanted amazing. to win that match. It was amazing TV. I was gambling on it. It was amazing. It was exciting. Uh, to to have uh, money bet on that match was like being on a roller coaster. So it was uh, it was amazing. It was great. Sean Maldonado beats Tommy Jones in a roll off uh, after this, they both absolutely fall apart at the end of the game after bowling excellently in the first part of the game. Yeah, and Tommy Jones really had a really chance to to win this match by just making a seven pin and Mike. You never see Tommy do that, and I, I, I was, I was shocked more, more than anybody. What do you think about him getting distracted? You think yeah, that Pat, played a Patrick part? D, Patrick D in the chat asked him what distracted Tommy. It was Dave Ryan. It was Dave Ryan. It was definitely Dave Ryan. He, he, he started right when Tommy started his approach and got kind of loud. I definitely think it was, uh, it, it was uh, Dave Ryan there. Okay, but still, you know what? Like, eh, you think you still got to be able to make make the shot there. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna get some heat for this, Mike. This 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 feedback on this match. Go ahead. Sean Maldonado um is tough to watch for me while watching him ball. I just I don't like his style. I don't like really how he bowls. And I feel when I watch him, I feel awkward watching him bowl. If I that- bowled league against Sean Maldonado and I didn't know him, I would think 
I'm gonna mop this guy. Oh, he just is like a two-handed okay. like spray kind of guy. I'm, right? I'm gonna mop this guy. I mean, look at him. He's hopping yeah. at the line. He's hopping just, at the line, bro. Yeah, look, he's I not just even you know, solid look, at the line. Okay. I respect I, the hell out of him, right? He's a great bowler. Obviously, he makes TV shows. He's a lot better than oh hell. I mean, bowling, right? hell yeah. But, but I'm just, just as a fan I, I, watching I generally, him. I generally agree with you. You know, I do. I do like his his like laid back, but relaxed and uh personable i would say kind of uh attitude on tv i do like that but yeah no i i hear you on the other aspects for sure no yeah it just, when i watched him ball i just i kind of just felt i just all right so now the nato wins the first match he goes on to bowl uh, sean, rash. sean rash okay yeah rash and eh, never had that great of a look i didn't no. i didn't feel like anyway i kind of feel like rash um used the wrong ball I feel like that was used the wrong ball. Yeah, I mean, I think if he he probably would admit it to to my at least he bowled one eighty. The ball like if he leaked it a little bit right, he was two eight tenning. I, I just kind of felt like the lanes were in transition on top of it. Um, you know, I kind of felt like that was Rash's match to win, but he just didn't have the right reaction in his hand. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if his. Uh... If his shot making to me was all that great, they 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 looked very demanding in terms of you know the the level that you had to repeat a shot to uh, to to really consistently strike on the way that pattern developed. That that's that's my opinion of watching the show anyway. Um, and yeah, I just I, I don't think that his his uh, execution and repeatability was really uh, up to the level that it needed to be. Now the surprising thing to me in that match was that. Neither was Maldonado's. Neither was Maldonado's, but it seemed like Maldonado got a few key critical, uh, not Brent, maybe not breaks for strikes, but breaks that allowed him to stay in the match and and find his way to a win there. So I didn't think really either player had it that great in that match. But, yeah, uh, Maldonado comes out on top again. All right, so that puts Maldonado up against Dom Barrett. And to me, Rob, this is kind of where the show got boring a little bit. You know, this is why I say that, like, the PBA needs to think about doing doing something with their format that can can better keep the viewers' attention when these matches are, like, out. You know, because Dom is shooting 279. I think he went, like, what did he go? Like, front seven or front eight or something like that? I think he went front seven. Chasing 300. Chasing 300. Maldonado kind of struggled throughout the game. So, like, the game was out early. It wasn't a real interesting match. And, you know, by the 10th frame, you could tell that Dom was kind of setting up to figure out what he was going to do uh, going into that final match. So puts him up against Prather. And I saw on Brad and Kyle's channel, you know, I, I watched most of their stuff. They interviewed Prather after the match, and Prather had commented how whenever he got left of 25, I think it was, on this pattern, all week he used the dark code. And honestly, to me, you know, the TV pair developed kind of differently and he had a game plan of what he wanted to do and he went out and he stuck with that game plan. And I, honestly, I felt like he executed that game plan pretty well, pretty well. But, uh, you know, it, it just didn't have that great of a look. It didn't look like it was giving him what he needed. Uh, he also missed the three six ten, okay, which was a, a very critical – uh, part in the match. I'm actually going to give him my spare Shuta award for that when we get to that part. But uh, 
you know, Dom Barrett, you know, gets a couple lucky spares. Okay. Let's let's be yeah, clear. He bounced, Dom he bounced one. Out. Yeah, he bounced a couple. You know, but hey, listen, those things happen. Sometimes it's your day. When he needed the shots, he got up and threw the shots. And, and wins the for the triple crown, Rob. Yeah, here's another crown. Woo. Here's another uh match where being the one seed was at a disadvantage. Okay. And when I was I was bowling and we were watching, and it was great because I was able to like talk to Wesley Lowe and Mike Haugen while we were watching the show while we were bowling. So that was pretty cool. I was like having my own little live commentary uh while I was bowling. And we talked about the one seed. And when I saw the odds were 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 50-50 with Barrett and Prather, and I said to Haugen, I said, bro, like. How, if you're betting right now, how do you not take Dom Barrett? He just bowled 279. He knows the pair. He's comfortable. He's relaxed. Prather hasn't been in a title match in forever, right? For a while. You know, forever is what? Like probably a year. And like, it feels that way though. How do you not take Barrett in that match? Just another I, advantage. I had of Barrett. Him. I had Barrett to win yeah, the whole thing at plus three hundred for a hundred. But I'm just saying, like, if so you were betting that in. match, Cash, cashed in on that one. Thank you, Don if, Barrett. If you were betting that match, like, how do you not take Don Barrett? And, and this was just another case of being the one seed was at a disadvantage. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, you know, great, great, you know, great, great performance by Don. Man, really, yeah. You know, he he bowled, he bowled great on the show, like. I did want to see Rash Bowl Tommy, though. I did want to see that match so bad. I felt like that would have been a great match, especially if Tommy would have been throwing yeah, a Purple sure. Hammer. I felt like that would have, might have been a good one. but Yeah, but okay. Sometimes. All right, so we All run right, the Mike. ladder. We run, run the, the ladder. ladder. Run the ladder is where we go through each match individually. All right, so that gives you your rundown. You got our thoughts there. All right, Rob, what uh, what category you want to go to first? Folks, we have uh, one, two, three, four, f- I think five categories that we do every week. To uh, to hand out some awards to the PBA players. So who who, who do we got here, Rob? Uh, we're gonna go to Spare Shooter because we talked about it. Spare Shooter. Was... It's Chris Prather. It's Chris you got Prather. Chris Prather. It's Chris Prather because if he if he makes the three six ten, honestly, it kind of changes that match. Maybe. Yeah, agreed. Because the match was already kind of they were going back and forth, but my and my, then my he, he missed that and like yeah. Dom got up and got to throw two shots with basically no pressure on him at all. I mean, my spare shooter was going to Tommy Jones. Dude, missing that seven pin was just brutal. I mean, I mean, how, I mean, look, like you're in a uh, practically you tied, right? You tied. So, um, Okay, I'm just putting some comments up here. Yeah, Rob. Milk Car and Jason Couch. Just people. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to our, yep, seven pin. That was, that was my award. Yeah, um, okay. All right, let's go to Milkar and Mike. So Milkar award. Uh, Nico, Nico. Oh, did I lose? Did I lose Mike again? Mike. Yeah, I'm here. Every how, oh, yeah. how, do, how do you not give uh, Milkar to Jason Couch this week? No, I had happy. someone. I had. Uh, I had somebody who's close to Jason Couch for my award. Dave Waka. Okay, like that one. Okay. Like that one a lot. I'm a big Dave Walk fan, to be honest with you. Dude, I used to I, try and I, throw like him as a kid. Dude, I don't I've been talking to him, so hopefully we can get him on it for an interview soon. Um, because I'm sure he's got some good ones, some good stories. Game, I want to talk about the mullet. His game was so tight. 
It was. Oh, his reverie was unbelievable. With that eight ball. Remember that eight ball? They, oh, man. He used to throw it so good with that eight ball. Um, okay, Mike. Let's go with uh, dumpster diving. So I want to start dumpster diving because I've been ready to give this award out. My man goes to Mike Machuga. Okay? And I get a little bit of vindication giving Mike Machuga the dumpster diving award. <laughs> Do you, Mike, shot, do you remember shot, what he did to our boy? I do. The Machuga flop, remember that whole deal? He did it against Bill. And I'm pretty sure that was Bill's first TV show. Yeah. Right? That was Bill's – and he did it. And I'm still not happy about that, Mike. Till this day, I'm still sour about it. Okay. Uh, for the dumpster diving category, I have all the lefties. Ooh. All the lefties. It was a, it was a rough week for the lefties. Oh, like a lefty went, massacre. Yeah, when I went to go look at the dumpster diving category and I saw all the lefties like grouped up in the bottom, I was like, "Ooh, man, rough week Ooh. to be a lefty there." So I got to give it to week. them. Okay, who ride with me and not ride with me? Let's start with uh, let's start with not riding with me. Who are you not riding with, Mike? Uh, I am probably not riding with Sean Parry, uh, PBA lane man, uh, because right after the show, uh, he, well, he got fired, uh, from what I heard. And, uh, that's, that's a, you know, that's a miserable ride home. So I'm, I'm not, not riding home with him. Sorry. Oh, that is brutal. Brutal. Who am I? Yeah. Who I was so focused on who I'm riding with. That I think I uh, forgot who I was not riding with, but I—I I, I mean, it really probably is going to go to like Chris Prather, Mike. Okay. Um. Well, you're I probably just, riding with Brad and Kyle then, because I think no, 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 you're riding with Prather and Packy and and uh, and Kevin Kevin Williams and Chris Jones likely. And yeah, because they were all staying at Prather's house, so that would be a good ride. Yeah, yeah, I'm not riding. I'm not riding with them. I, 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 I don't want to deal with that. Okay. Um, who, who you want to ride with, Mike? Oh, this was so easy for me, bro. Okay. This was so easy for me. I'm riding with Dom and Stu, bro. I'm riding with Dom and Stu. I'm riding with Dom because he won, and it's gonna be a great ride. But I'm really riding with Dom and Stu because it's a double bonus. You get Dom, but you get Stu. And Stu had a good week, too, okay? And you know you're going to stop and eat at some good spots. You know you're going to have some dinners, some good dinners on that ride because you just won 100 grand. and Stu's with you. So the quality of, of your food stops is going to be great. Probably very, very entertaining. Who doesn't love an English accent, okay? Who doesn't love an English? By the end of the ride, I might be speaking with an English accent myself. Uh, so that was an easy one for me. Yeah, um, I think Anthony Battaglia stole my answer for who I'm riding with. <laughs> Mike, I'm riding with Ryan Simonelli, okay? Because when That's Ryan, I would. That's just wrong. Mike, was there. Now, yes or no, because we're, we're going right into the lane man like talk, right? Was there anybody that was more happy of, of, of Sean Perry getting fired than Ryan Simonelli? Probably not. Mike, I see you, Haas. Who do you see? 
Who are you seeing, Haas? Uh, this, you know, I see you, Haas, was a tough week this week because it's like it's all it's all pretty well known guys. All right. But I'm I'm gonna give I see you, Haas, to and I'm probably gonna butcher his name, Matt Zwig. Yeah, I know Matt Zwig. He's from my yeah. area. He's from okay. Arizona. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it to Matt Zwig because he bowled really good, and I watched him somewhat this week, and he threw it pretty good, I thought, and uh, I was kind of impressed. So I see you, Hoss. I see you, Matt Zwig. Get, getting it done a little bit in a field in a field of beasts. He's out there in a field of serial killers surviving, mm. surviving. So I see you, Hoss. Mike, you know who I see? Karsten Hansen. Ooh, good one. Good one. Good one. Dude, my, he's already won. He's eighth. already won now. He did, but he finished eighth in a field of killers, Mike. The best killers. of the best, Mike. Killers. Eighth. He finished right, he finished right below Anthony Simon and Kyle Troop. And right and right after EJ Tackett. Okay, some of the hottest PBA players on tour right now. So Karsten, Karsten Hansen, I see you, Haas. Denmark. You don't know what Haas is, hit us up in the DMs. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what a Haas is. So, okay, all right, fair enough. All right, I think that uh, I think that does it, Rob. Yeah, that does it. And uh, okay, so real, real quick, let's talk about Sean. We talked about Sean Perry a little bit getting fired from Bolero. Um, okay, real quick here, I just want to I want to go through this in a few minutes. As somebody who works in corporate America who is a senior manager in, in, in an office of 150 to 200 people. I, I can't just fire somebody without giving them an explanation or reason for firing them. Okay. There are steps in corporate America. And I say that because Bolero is corporate America, Mike, that you need to take as a manager and as a senior leadership of an office to understand to the employee of why you're letting them go okay so there has to be like write-ups and performance issues it's not like i can be someone like um you know donald trump where i could just call into the office and just say you're fired and then they're like wait what the hell just happened i feel like that's a little bit what happened with sean perry because he didn't know for days why they fired him now According to the facts, right, is what I've read. That even Tom Clark put out a public statement that said, yes, Sean Perry was let go, but it had nothing to do with PBA lane maintenance or anything to that fact, right, of, of, of the, the PBA and the technical side. But as a corporate America, you can't just fire someone without really, they have no idea or no reason why you fire them. In reality, I now I'm not sure because there's probably a lot of other factors. If that's the case, if they just fired him, he might have a case for a wrongful termination suit. Honestly, well, because I mean, like, like like you said, there there's there's you, you would you would imagine even if it's um, you know something that's that's fictional or sort of fraudulent, there's got to be some kind of reason uh, you know that that they decided to make that move now. You know, if it's not related to the PBA, and I think it would be hard to see, you know, hard to argue that it's related to his job at Valero because that's probably pretty easy if you're the guy doing the lanes and maintenance for the PBA. 
Uh, that leads me to believe that perhaps it's something uh, connected to the PBA, but not directly related to the PBA. Well, he pissed somebody off, Mike. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like he, he, and he, and he pissed somebody off probably at a level in some kind of organization, you know, connected to the PBA that, you know, they were able to get this done, whether they were connected to him or not. So I'm going to read Leon Platt's comment, by the way, your kids are adorable. Um, Sean commented on his post saying it was corporate BS and it was a personal agenda by a woman in charge of set. Okay. So well, who, some he pissed somebody who's, off. Who's that? Who's that woman though? Is that yeah. somebody that works for Bolero? Is it Coley? Is that somebody that works for the PBA? Is that somebody that works for Fox? I don't know. Yeah. So they fired him, right? Yeah, and they fired him from his regular job. Yes. Uh, so he pissed somebody off. Bottom line is now, does it have something to stem from all the problems that their PBA is having with the, you know? The purple hammer and the and the testing. I I don't think so. Yeah, Jar- Jared, speculation. Jared in the chat uh, saying Lucas uh, Wiseman just announced we were ahead of that. We that one that. is banning some that uh, PBA is banning some urethane balls. Jared, we got the scoop on that. I saw that on Twitter too. I was going to let Lucas know, but it's all right. I'll let him. Yeah, I'll let him think he's got the scoop on that. We actually scooped that uh, live on the show here. Uh, they're going to ban balls that were made uh, manufactured before 2020. 2020, right? So, okay. All right, Rob, uh, here's what up, Andy? Here, the real issue to me with the lane, the, the lane man situation. I mean, shout to Sean Parry, right? No, I, I don't want to see anybody lose their job and we, we, we kid here and have fun, but you know, we're talking about real life stuff here. Um, True. The, the, the issue to me becomes, well, you know, is there going to be, immediate issues because of this at the world series and who's doing the late maintenance. I've heard, I had some players tell me that the lane maintenance on the PBA tour is not as simple as you might think. It's not as simple as your um, regular run of the mill bowling center. Right. So uh, that's my immediate concern. And that's something that I'll be looking for uh, as I'm watching this week, the best week in bowling, by the way, the best guys, guys, the best week in bowling is here, baby. It's the World Series of Bowling. We got bowling starting tomorrow. We got live shows starting Sunday. The best week in bowling is back. We're Where good. is the PBA World Series being held at this year? Do you know? I don't even know. Uh, I saw I'm it. trying to read. It's not Vegas. It's not at South Point. No, I think outside of Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Because oh, I was going to say. Bolero, Wauwatosa. Oh, yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah. Bubba Toast Wisconsin. So, yeah, our boy, our boy Fef is going. That's yeah. right. That's right. He's yeah, yeah. out there. He's out there. He's gonna be outside. Yeah. He's gonna be at so the real PBA quick, tour the world, If you don't follow bowling with the Fef, check him out on Twitter. He's gonna have some dope content out. So let's talk about the World Series of Sweepers, okay? Um oh, because stop that's it. what because that's what it is. Stop um, it. Stop it. The World Series of giving of giving titles out like it's fucking Pez. Um Two to one odds says that the lefties are going to absolutely crush them this week because of Sean Perry not being there. Okay. Fair to say Ryan Simonelli wins a title this week. Fair to say that Ryan Simonelli wins a title this week. Mike. Wild. (laughs) No, if he wins a title this week, 
is it fair to say that everything he said in our interview could be a fact and what he was saying and all that conspiracy? No. I'm praying for him to win a title this week. <laughs> I oh, okay. All right. Rob, uh, let's give the people what they want. Oh my god! You want to go first, or what? You want me to go first? No, you, you can go. To? I got to. I got to pull up my. Um, I, I could go. Uh, so this was. Um, I guess there's. I got to get on this forum, Mike, because there's a, a bowling forum on Facebook. There's a, probably a hundred of them. Um, called the Bowling Science Forum. Have you heard of this yet? This is probably oh, worse. Than I did. Gold, I did. It's Mike. actually it's actually Mo Pinnell's uh, kid, right? Uh, Mike Mikey Pinnell, I think, is the person. Yeah, yeah. So hey, look, if Mikey Pinnell is posting stuff on that, then I, I would I wouldn't definitely give you know Mikey Pinnell worst of the week. But if you have ordinary everyday bowlers posting on the bowling science forum, this could be an absolute just hidden gem for worst of the week. Anyway. My my worst of the week is from Gary Blum from the Bowling Science Forum. He asks, what happens to your ball reaction when lanes are oiled through the pin deck and are not cleaned off from the back on the way back to the beginning? I'll tell you what happens. The ball never hooks. <laughs> not bowling science it's bowling common sense people what are we doing here this it's not bowling science it's common sense mike i think we should start a bowl our own bowling forum and call it the bowling common sense okay if you put powder in your thumb hole the ball falls off your thumb if you like if you don't give two lane if you don't give one lane courtesy you might get punched if you bowl in new jersey I mean, this is just common sense, people. Anyway, that was my worst of the week. Yep. All right, here's mine. I just saw. Am I going out here? Can you hear me, Rob? No, yeah, I can hear you. You're you're back. I actually got a new internet connection too, people, and it's still still a little shaky here. Oh, he's yeah. I was definitely. by Eric Mogg. Okay. okay, Eric Mogg, congratulations. Worst of the week, Hammer Bowling Message Board. He says, got the Black Widow ghost. Was bowling really decent with it? Wasn't shooting under 250. Hit over 120. Any suggestions on what I should be doing? I don't know. Drill a couple of new balls. 250. Wasn't shooting under 250. Now can't shoot. Above 120, that seems uh, that seems a little extreme to me. I think you got the some var- hey, going on there. The variation seems to be a lot bigger than than the bowling derometer variation. Yo, uh, Ruther, I had uh, Comcast come out. Okay, I had Comcast come out. They gave me a new modem. I checked my routers. I just checked my speed with Rob before we got on here. 
it was fine. I don't know. I think the issue, honestly, might be my Mac interfacing with the the program that we yeah. that we use here. So yeah, I I'm use trying. My Mac I'm trying. It okay. could be. It could I'm be trying. From all right, mind. I'm working it out. All right, all right, Rob, uh, wrap it up. All right, here's my final thought, man. Uh, and I put this out on Twitter. Okay. All balls are cheater balls. Okay? All balls, all current day balls are cheater balls, if we're being honest about it. I understand the technology advances. I get it. I'm okay with it. I'm not saying that like we should go back to uh to to the stone age of bowling. All right, but I just find it a little silly that with all the steroid Tight bowling balls that are available on the market today. We're arguing about, uh, you know, uh, what seems to be a relatively primitive uh, type of piece of equipment. So I don't know, man. You know, the next time I see somebody that has like three revs on the ball, uh, drop the ball on the lane, spinning it this way, and then the ball flips over and flips over again and crushes the hole. I don't know. I'm going to think like, wow, doesn't it seem like the argument about your thing is, uh, is a little, uh, a little silly. Got it. Good. That's a good final thought, Mike. My, um, my final thought is, uh, the new PBA rule that just literally we broke live on air. Um, I'm curious to see what the USBC now, what they're, if they do something in response to what the PBAs came in, does the USBC now, will they unsanction balls previous to 2020? Because if the PBA is doing it, it, it seems to be like there's a lot of inconsistency to what the USBC rules are now. So will I be able to use a 2017 pitch black or a purple hammer at the USBC national tournament? But if I ball PBA tournament the next day, I can't use it. So that 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 would be my um, final thought. I'm curious to see what the USBC comes in and what their comment is on it. Um, and yeah, the World Series of Bowling is uh, is next week, so there'll be a lot of bowling. You know, um, unfortunately for me, I'll be honest, I don't have a Flow Bowling subscription. I, I didn't renew it uh, for for own personal reasons. It had nothing to do with money. Um, it had everything to do with I want to pay for a product. Yo, while, feel like while we're here, money. while we're here, somebody that was in the chat went on and tagged us in Lucas Wiseman's uh, tweet about urethane balls being banned. And uh, I said to him, yeah, we actually broke the news on the show tonight while we were live. And do you know that this guy texts back, oh, you have a show? You know, yo, you don't want this smoke right now, Lucas Wiseman. Not with what's going on with Flo. Yeah, we got a show. And uh, yeah, we, we actually break news uh, at the same time as the biggest media outlet in bowling or what used to be the biggest media outlet at bowling anyway Ooh. but clearly flow flow Ooh. bowling will be packing it in sooner than later i would imagine so <laughs> i don't know man i don't know if you i don't i don't know if you want the sweet the rack people coming coming after you and uh and starting about flow bowling on there so pr- proceed proceed with caution i would say yeah and i guess to my final thought on on the whole like flow bowling thing is me not having a subscription to, to me i'd rather have um 
I'd rather pay my money and get a bowl TV subscription and watch the PWBA, honestly, at this point. I feel like that's a better product. So I hear you being fair. All right, Rob. We went, <laughs> we, we, went well, into, Lucas. we went into super overtime. We went into super yes, overtime for the people tonight. It was fun though. You know, all listen, I said to I said to Jeff Rickles in a conversation this week. I said, you know, Jeff, like a lot of people don't follow bowling. The general public doesn't care about it. Like even a lot of people that are in bowling don't care about it. But from doing this podcast, I gotta say, like there always seems to be something to talk about in bowling. You know, it, Rob, am I right? Like every week when we get on, like there's always something to talk about. There's always oh, this some, year has some been drama. Some this year know. has been a, this P, this PBA season for us has been incredible. I mean. I love having drama, honestly. It's great for a content producer, I'll be honest with you. Um, Yo, you know, uh, you people in the chat that come and support us every week, yo, you guys are the shit. Uh, it's awesome. We appreciate it. Uh, anybody that picked up a rosin bag, we appreciate it. Uh, there's still, like, maybe a couple left, Rob. Yeah, there's, like, one or two left, I think. That might yeah, be I'll start deleting them off the website um, at, at this point because I don't want someone to put a big order in and we're not yeah. going to be able to supply it. Yeah, so, we'll, uh, uh, yeah, a yeah, couple we'll more orders and it's coming off the website. Yeah. A lot of people have reached out to us about other merch ideas. Yo, we got your emails. We feel you. We're working yeah, we're, on we're it. Working it out. Uh, yo, uh, there's a t- there's a PBA show on Sunday. Doubles. We expect our boy to be on that show. I would imagine uh, he's bowling bowling with the goat this week. So we'll see how that goes. Hit us up on social media. Uh, he's at Brooklyn Rob Eleven. I'm at the two one fifth. Email us sweep the rack at Gmail. Check out our website sweeptherackbowling.com. And uh, listen, have a great week. Uh, Everybody enjoy. Interact with us on social media. Yo, hit the subscribe button. All right? Give us a subscribe, especially if you're new here. Okay? Rob, have a good one, homie. You too, man. Take care. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big.